So one thing I've just kind of been reflecting about is how boredom is a very common occurrence during these stay-at-home orders. Um, I know you guys have, I think, AP exams this week, um, final exams the week after that. And so the question I think I want to pose to you is, how are you spending all that extra time after you're studying? Um, I have some students saying they still have hours of time afterwards. Um, and then some of my students say, oh, we just play like a lot of video games, um, but we get really bored really quickly. And I thought, wait, that's kind of like interesting because video games are so advanced and all the CGI or effects, like how can you be bored so quickly? Um, and he said, I don't know, it's just boring if you can't play with friends and we just move on to the next thing. And I kind of noticed, noticed this in my own life too. Um, like before the quarantine, I, I really wanted Disney Plus. And I thought to myself, man, if I only had Disney Plus, I could watch uh, these Pixar movies. I could watch like the classics, the live action, um, the, Mar the Marvel, Star Wars. Like life would be so great if I could just get Disney Plus, but I don't have it. Uh, I only have Netflix and like Hulu. So it's like, I already have all these things. Um, but once we actually were quarantined, like someone said, oh, do you want to jump onto this deal? Um, we have Disney Plus, so you can get in for like, pretty cheap. And uh, so we, we did it. And the moment, I remember the moment like we got access, it was like so amazing. Like the Disney Blue and like all the titles are just available for us to, to watch. And I think we watched one movie. But after that, like I got bored. Like I don't even go on Disney Plus anymore. And I moved on to the next thing. Um, and I think that points out, like, our hearts are so easily thrilled, but rarely satisfied. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to settle for the chief thrills of earthly pleasure. And so I want to go to the book of Ecclesiastes today, because in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, the author is trying to discover the meaning, of uh, the meaning of life. And he tests the earth, the world's pleasures, to see if it can truly satisfy him. Now, a lot of scholars think the author is Solomon, and there's also a lot of scholars who think it's an admirer of Solomon, um, maybe a, a teacher or preacher who lived after Solomon, after Solomon, but is still uh, summarizing the events of Sol Solomon's life and uh, maybe writing what Solomon would have said at the end of his life. And there's a lot of debate, but I won't get into it, but that, those are generally the two views. Um, and that's important because the passage we're looking at today will clearly remind us of Solomon's life. Uh, so I want to give that a general background. Um, so if you have your Bible, if you want to ask, if you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Um, I know we don't always go to this book, but it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, if that helps you find it. So a little bit after. Um, Proverbs. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we are going to start with verse 1. Uh, hopefully you guys are all there. And I'm just going to read the first verse. Um, this is what uh, the author says. I said in my heart, now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also is vanity. What's out there? So... Um, most likely it's talking about Solomon in this passage, whether he's the author or it's someone later who wrote this book. And Solomon wants to perform a test. He wants to see if pleasure is the purpose of human existence. 
And that can relate to us as the American dream is happiness, at least part of it, to have a happy marriage, a happy home, a happy life. And so Solomon kind of uh, it's the same thing, pleasure. Isn't the point of life to be good and to feel good and to be happy? So he plunges himself into any pleasure he can get his hands on to see if he, it will truly satisfy and hit the spot, uh, so to speak. And so you know that Solomon is filthy rich and essentially he can get, he can get anything he wants. But it's also interesting, even at the end of the sentence, he already, it's almost as if he knows the end. And he says, this also was vanity. And I'll explain what that means uh, later on in the passage. Um, so I want to imagine if you had the power that Solomon had, that if you had the power to do anything you wanted today, what would you do? And your only limit is your imagination. You could do anything you wanted to do. You all the money, all the power, all the resources in the world. Would you enroll yourself in the top college and pay off the administrators? Would you marry whoever you wanted? Would you buy an island? Would you rob a bank? Um, which might not make sense if you have such money. Uh, would you travel the world with your friends? Relax on the beach the rest of your life and not have to work a single minute in your life again? Um, go to some fancy uh, restaurant. What pleasures, good or bad, sinful or not sinful, would you allow yourself to enjoy if you had the power as Solomon? And this is the power in which Solomon is in. And so let's see how he actually goes about testing pleasure. Uh, let's jump to verse 2 uh, in chapter 2. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? And so this is kind of a little confusing, but for Solomon to call laughter mad, it's to describe a person who avoids the problems of life by distracting himself with fun and pleasure. A person who uh, avoids problems by distracting himself with fun and pleasure. And that's why he calls laughter mad. Um, and then he says, he kind of questions pleasure. What use is pleasure? Because uh, he kind of, re he realizes that pleasure will lead to vanity. It will not fulfill our heart. So he says, what use is it? And then he begins to recount all the things he's done in his life that still leads to emptiness. Um, let's actually read now verses 3 to 10, and this will just summarize everything he's kind of uh, tested for himself. It says, I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, so I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during a few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. All my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Let's stop there. So Solomon 
the second, I kept my heart from no pleasure. He, whatever he wanted, he got. And in verse three, he first tests this with alcohol, uh, with wine, it says in verse three. Now, Solomon wasn't in this, he's not saying he's a drunkard or he's, he just drowns himself in alcohol because it says, uh, my heart still guiding me with wisdom in verse three. Um, so think of like, uh, like a gentleman or enjoying fancy parties with fine wine. Um, so not someone getting wasted, but someone just enjoying the, um, the finer things in life, so to speak. Um, you see that Solomon also oversaw great projects. He expanded his property. He built gardens and parks, and these things were very, um, they're the, they're the pride of ancient kings to have a lot of property. Um, he owned slaves and, and herds and flocks, animals, another sign of wealth and power uh, in the ancient worlds. Uh, he indulged in the kind of arts like singing and music, had a lot of entertainment. Um, he also gave himself to sexual pleasure. He had concubines. Um, and concubines, um, someone you can still have sexual relations with, but they're like one step lower than your wife. So Solomon had every pleasure at his disposal. He got whatever he wanted. That was the power he had. What he, what he learned at the end of the day was having all these pleasures in this world. It didn't satisfy him. It didn't satisfy him. And I was reading a commentary which um, had a very insightful quote, and I'll read that quote. It, it says, It was the sheer activity that gave satisfaction. With achievement, the pleasure began to fade. In other words, the chase and the thrill is really pleasurable. But once you get to the top, once you experience the top, and you've achieved it, it all begins to fade away. You can think of maybe when you got accepted into your top college. I'm sure that moment was amazing. Maybe you're screaming and telling your parents, but maybe a couple of weeks later, after you achieve that, you're like, oh, I'm still excited, but excitement kind of fades away. Maybe you got an A on your final exam, or you plan to get an A, uh, so to speak. And it's exciting. You just locked in your, your grades for your junior or senior or sophomore year. But then after a week, it kind of fades away. And you have to think about summer school um, in the fall semester. And Solomon is trying to get to the point that whatever thrill and pursuits we engage in life, it is thrilling. It's exciting. But only in that moment. When you get to the top and you reach achievements, it will slowly fade away. And I want us to look at Solomon's last words in verse 11. Here's what he judges everything. Verse 7, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That word vanity, I really want uh, to briefly un unpack. Uh, it's kind of a difficult word to translate, but uh, it literally means vapor. Um, so you can think of a vapor in the wind, something that is fleeting or temporary, uh, here for a second, gone the next, uh, like a mist in the air. And the author is trying to say that the success, the joys, the pleasures in this life, it is so temporary. It's fleeting. It'll feel good in the moment. But once it's over, it's over. What really does bring fulfillment? I'll turn us to the last passage now and jump to the New Testament um, to see the ultimate treasure in this life. 
Uh, so let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Um, Philippians chapter 3, this will be our final passage before I close. What Solomon only knew in part, now as New Testament Christians, we can see much better. Uh, we see in full in the sense we have knowledge of Christ, but we, in a sense we still see in part because uh, we are still living in a fallen earth. But on this side of the cross, we have the experience of Jesus. So if you're at Philippians 3, I want to read verses 8 to 10 and point to the treasure of knowing Christ. This is Paul writing to the uh, Church of Philippi. And uh, let's see what he says in verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes to faith, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Let's stop there. Now, Paul certainly isn't a king or has the same resume as uh, Solomon, but he certainly very impressive um, as a Jew. Um, if you read the overall context, which we didn't get into today, uh, Paul's a Pharisee and he's achieved a lot in his former life. But now Paul is saying, kind of like Solomon, the past accomplishments are now lost. It meant nothing. That his performance and resume actually made it more difficult for him to see Jesus and see his need for a savior. And Paul, discovers what Solomon longed for, which is the true fulfillment, the treasure of knowing Christ. And the word in verse 8, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's willing to suffer the loss of all things. And Paul realizes that the joy of knowing Christ is worth losing everything in this life, even if that joy leads to a life of suffering. And this shows us that lasting joy, is not, it's not found on anything in this earth. It's found in knowing Christ. And that's what, Saul, or that's what Paul discovers. And so during this quarantine, um, I know you still have a good amount of studying to do. Um, but how are you spending the moments of boredom? The moments of um, when you don't have responsibility? Are you prioritizing knowing Christ? If you want to experience what Paul experienced, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, then devote, then I, I encourage you to devote your life to pursuing him, to knowing him. And it's interesting that in quarantine, it's easier to be undisciplined. I just want to encourage you guys to um, make that time for God in the morning or whenever you're most alert. Make that time to get into his word. Make that time to pray because when you do, um, you are knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. You're engaging with the living God who made heaven and earth, who saved us from our sins. And this, I believe, is a heavenly treasure that will truly satisfy us all.